This morning's scripture readings comes from a sacred song that is sung and re-sung in our two traditions. So I invite you to open your hearts and minds and ears to hear the songs re-sung again today. And Hannah prayed, my heart rejoices in the eternal one. My horn is raised through the eternal one. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for God has looked with favor on the lowliness of God's servant. There is no holy one like the eternal one, for there is none except you and there is no rock like our God. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is God's name. Speak no more with lofty pride. Let no arrogance cross your lips for the eternal one is the God of knowledge by whom our deeds are weighed. God's mercy is for those who fear God from generation to generation. God has shown strength with God's arm, God has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. The bows of the mighty are shattered and the faltering are girded with strength. Those who were sated now hire out for bread. Those who were hungry, hungry, hunger no more. The eternal one makes poor and makes rich, casts down and lifts high, raising the poor from the dust, lifting up the needy from the refuse, setting them with nobles and granting them seats of honor. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. For the pillars of the earth are the eternal ones who set the world upon them. God guards the steps of the faithful, but the wicked are silenced in darkness. God has helped God's servant Israel in remembrance of God's memory. For not through strength does a person become mighty. The eternal one will judge the ends of the earth. According to the promise God made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. The wisdom of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hello, everybody. I am here with Jordi Battis. Jordi is over at Temple Shir Tikva. And Jordi, you want to say um, a little bit about yourself and how long you've been there and so on? Sure. Hi, it is so wonderful to be here with you. I am, um, as Amy said, Rabbi Jordi Battis. I've been at Temple Shir Tikva for two and a half years. Um, it is unbelievable that a whole year of that nearly has been during pandemic times. So it feels like this has been even longer and I love being part of this community. I'm originally from Southern California, but have spent a lot of my life in New England and I'm so um, delighted to be at Shir Tikva and also part of this incredible partnership. Yeah, same here. It's been really wonderful getting to know um, other clergy of different faiths and to have this wonderful relationship that Susan and Hollis have brought to us between our two congregations. So Jordi and I have been talking a little bit about being women in ministry and it fits with the scripture that we're hearing today. Um, we've been revisiting the Magnificat and Hannah's song. 
And um, as some might have noticed, uh, the Magnificat is actually based off of Hannah's song. It's a adaptation of it that they put into the gospels. And um, we've been noticing some similarities. And uh, one of the things that we wanted to lift up was the way that in both of these songs, we have women's voices used to proclaim divine justice. Um, and I don't know if you wanna speak a little bit to, to that, Jordi. Sure, so you know, it's interesting. I had never had a chance to look closely at the Magnificat before, but I also, um, though I've read Hannah's song many times, I, I was less familiar with her song itself than with her story leading up to it. And that story is very much um, as, as folks in my tradition know it uh, mostly from when we read it at Rosh Hashanah, that um, Hannah has so longed for a child and, it, and has not had a child and um, the other woman who is also married to her husband has had children and it is clearly a source of great anguish to Hannah that she has not. And this, this song is after she finally does have a child and it's a song of triumph that uh, seems to be you know, making peace with her fate having finally achieved what she wanted to achieve in the way that she made meaning for herself in the world. And um, what's so striking even before the song itself is how Hannah comes into voice in terms of when she is praying for a child, um, the Eli, the priest who overhears her praying for the child, uh, doesn't believe, or do, doesn't know what she is praying for, and he sees her talking to herself, and he makes assumptions about her. He projects onto her that she is drunk, and she schools him, and she tells him you know, what she's actually doing, and that she is pouring her heart out to God, and he ends up understanding from that that the assumptions he makes about people's power is not what he had always assumed. And I think out of that, um, Hannah ends up achieving what she wants, not only I think in terms of having that child, but also in terms of claiming her own voice and realizing that she can make a difference in terms of how other people perceive her and in terms of you know, owning what she wants in this world. Mm. And so hearing you say that, you know, it makes me think about the, well, some of the ways that we talk about the Magnificat um, we usually listen to the Magnificat the last Sunday before Christmas, and we often highlight how, you know, Mary was this young woman. She um, wouldn't have been able to, you know, give testimony in court. Her voice didn't have legal weight. She, um, she was a peasant. She wasn't from, uh, from an important family or an influential family. And, you know, here she is saying, you know, I, I have this important role. I'm doing something really important and making a huge difference in the world that, you know, the, the powerful will be made lowly and the poor will be fed and the rich sent away hungry. And this, um, you know, this idea that something small can affect such great change and, and claiming that role and that place and really rejoicing in, um, in having that voice. And, um, you know, we saying, you know, nevertheless, they both persisted. And that's a theme that we see running through a lot of female characters in, in our sacred texts. Oh, I love that. And it makes me think 
uh, the holiday that's coming up for us very, very soon in Jewish tradition in just a couple of weeks is Purim, which is the story where we tell this, uh, or the holiday where we tell the story of Esther. And that book is, which we read on Purim, is so focused on that theme of fates being turned over and what is expected to go one way to, to happen the other and the person that is low to be made high and vice versa, which is exactly that theme that we saw in both Hannah's song and the Magnificat over and over again. And in the case of Purim, it's telling the story of how Esther had been hidden. She had, you know, hidden her own identity as a Jew. And then when she saw that she, it was on her, even though she thought that she did not have power, that she used the power that she did have as a woman to affect the fate, not only of herself, but of her whole people and the whole kingdom. And uh, so on Purim, we, we deal with that by making everything topsy-turvy and we do it's a, it's a silly holiday it's you know it's about um you know turning expectations on their heads um and having a joyous time but it's which can be in reading going back to hannah's song it's that's not a silly song at all but you can see that same element of joy running through them both yeah i think about that reversal theme that we see and the magnificat um you know it, it's told in the in Luke's gospel where we have a lot of that um, we call it often the great reversal where we have um, you know blessed are are the meek for they shall inherit the earth and blessed are you who are hungry now and who are poor now for you know you will have these treasures and you the first shall be last and the last shall be first and um, and thinking about you know that that sense of God's of God's justice and what uh, what God's justice looks like, and that connection between two women, Hannah and Mary, who are pregnant and who are waiting and yearning for these children. That um, you know, in Mary's case, that will go on to be the founder of my religion, and um, and in our tradition, bring help shepherd in justice and. In Hannah's case, you know, I'm hearing a lot about um, how Hannah is really realizing the the voice that she has and the power that she has, and with Esther, the the way that she um, is able to be so courageous and save her people, and what it looks like to have that sense of of yearning for justice and realizing our role in bringing justice about. And I wonder if you want to um, speak to that a little bit. Yeah, it's it, I I love that connection that you're making and it makes me think also of yet another woman in both of our traditions Sarah so the reason that we read Hannah's song when we do in in our liturgy is around Rosh Hashanah and it's paired with uh, the story of the birth of Isaac to Sarah who is so long awaited and she's been told she will have a child and you know the Torah says, the Bible says that, you know, she's already 90 years old and uh, also her finding out that she is finally going to have a child is also a, a, a moment of joy and laughter, much like these other stories we're talking about and this sense of something that has been so long awaited for and yet then shapes the entire rest of the story. And I, I think particularly as we're in this time of waiting ourselves and we are 
looking toward this horizon of when we can be together in person again, when we will come out of this exile, each in our own homes and our own spaces to be able to look toward that horizon of some a post pandemic time. Um, and even beyond that to a time, I assume to a time of real justice in the world where where things are fulfilled in the way that they are supposed to be. Uh, we wait for it and we wait for it and we also have to work toward it. And um, I think there's a, an element where we have to be waiting for it with joy even now and finding joy where we can, but also knowing that when the joy comes, we need to be ready to recognize it. Yeah, that's a really good point about being able to recognize the joy because it might not look like what we're expecting it to look like. Uh, in Magnificat, when we read it, the Christmas story, we often ask, you know, who would have expected that, you know, a savior would be a peasant boy in a stable and not a mighty king or, or that sort of thing. And that folks were looking for some important ruler and they found a baby. And, uh, you know, thinking about what um, we, we had spoken briefly earlier about this idea of co-creation and how our the Christian tradition teaches that we are now Jesus's hands and feet in the world and that we are called to, um, we have this gift of creativity by being made in God's image that we can create life and we can create technology and we have this you know, beautiful gift of innovation and how we can use it to help create the justice that we are called to, to bring um, in the, the prayer that we say every week, you know, um, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that that is our work to help enact. Well, we have something so similar, also talking about partnership with God in our tradition of uh, that when we talk about covenant in the Jewish tradition, it's very much about that God and the Jewish people have a covenant together, and that both parties need to work to make, to do the right work in the world. And a, a really, a, a, pl a place I love where that comes through and it's so little and it's a, a phrase that we say all the time. We all, um, when we eat bread, um, especially people know as when we eat challah on Shabbat, the braided bread, we say this blessing, hamotzi, which um, thanks God for bringing forth bread from the earth. And all of our other food prayers have to do with, it's just, some, you know, if, if you're eating a piece of fruit, you thank God for creating, you know, the fruit of the vine, the fruit of the tree, the fruit of the ground, et cetera. But for bread, no, we all know bread doesn't come forth straight from the earth. We need to be in partnership with God. God needs to provide the, the, the elements that lead to making the bread. And then it's only through human intervention that that, you know, that the, rain and the sun and the soil and the seed that become the wheat then become ground by the people and, and combined with other things as well. And that becomes a symbol of our co-creation in terms of making this world the place it needs to be and, and all the more so with something as large and important as justice. I love that. I really love that metaphor. I'm thinking about, about bread as how, what it represents because bread has a huge role in our tradition as well and in our, our sacred meals. I really, I'm gonna be thinking about that the next time that we have communion. Um, and, you know, it's interesting as we think about, we've been now about a year in the pandemic and waiting, waiting for things to end and waiting for lockdown to end, for things to go back to normal. But 
that has me thinking about, you know, what role we are all called to play in, um, in re-fostering re the connections that we had and rebuilding those connections and, um, you know, that it, it will be a joyous time, but it's also a time that requires us to, to work to bring it about and, and to work to, to make those connections together again. Um, and yeah, that's... With that, I think you know, it is such a joy to get to be with you on the screen and with this whole community on the screen. And I, I hope that the way that we've been able to make a connection here, which I think we wouldn't have necessarily been able to make back back in a normal time where we you know, are on opposite sides of town, but to be able to build this here and now with each other. And I hope that we can carry it forward when God willing, we will be together in person when we are, when our congregations come together next year. Amen to that. Thank you so much, Jordy, for this conversation. I've really enjoyed it. I'm so glad we're able to be together as well and that our congregations have built such a good friendship. So I'm really looking forward to uh, many more years of fruitful ministry together. Me too. Thank you.